I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the ten house gate. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears. To the comic book bullies, but nerd is a new bully. I'm your host Leroy. We're my co-host. This is Eli, the Bear Jew. <laughs> <laughs> the Bear One Thirty Second Jew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I, I will come up with a fancy nickname. I can't think of something. I'm Leroy, the... White Boy Leroy. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> the secret is out. <laughs> All right, yeah, so we got a brand new episode. Like I said, we went an epic episode last time because we had so much to catch up on because we had been gone for such a long time. And now we got some new stuff coming out. We're going to keep it light. We're actually going to keep it comic-centric this time. So I know a lot of you don't give a shit about that, but we're going to try to make it as interesting as possible. Uh, but before we jump into that, we do have to pay our respects. We have to pay our respects to the OG. Uh, like I said, we, we haven't had a lot of celebrity deaths this year. Not as much as it was in, you know, last year, but we have some. Yeah. And this one, we do have to pay our respects to Rucker Howard, who yeah. is a, you know, a, like if you've seen any kind of sci-fi or action movie in the 80s, he was in there. Horror or whatever, he was in there. Yeah, you know? we, had a, we had a good run but, but for a while, but bam, this one, this one, this one's a biggie. This one hurts. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, had some iconic yeah. roles too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, most known role, I guess his most famous role, you would say Blade Runner, wouldn't you? Yeah, Roy Batty. Blade yeah. Runner, The Hitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved him in a movie called Wanted, Dead or Alive. Okay, uh, now what was that about? He was a bounty hunter. It was like, you know, it was the 80s where, you know, everyone, they, we needed a new Rambo or a Commando. There was, they wanted a, a, the male act, another Chuck Norris, well, another Sylvester He, he had a run. He had a run. Yeah. Well, like, he was always playing the bad guy, but this was the movie where he was the hero. Right. And um, he's basically a bounty hunter, and he's after uh, a, an Arab terrorist, um, played by Gene Simmons from Kiss. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was know, the 80s. That time, they, like anybody could be in an action movie around that time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it was that that that. So I I highly recommend that. That's a, that's a good hidden gem if you've never okay, seen. Um, okay, that's when you say. Okay, one dead or alive was around that time. He was like they were trying to push him as an action hero. I'm gonna throw another one at you. Blind Fury. Okay. Oh yeah, yes. Blind that's Fury right. was fucking awesome. That was Rucker Howard. He was a blind 
samurai or some shit chopping yeah, up he people. Had a he was like a white Zadoichi. It's basically basically what it was, what it was you know. <laughs> so like, but he was fucking awesome in the roles. So there was like, yeah. so he had all these iconic roles. He was in Sin City, you know. That's right. A brief the role, card. but he was in there. You know, he was the uh, one of the preachers. How do you live with that whore or some shit, you know? And then Mickey Rourke beat the shit out of him or something, you know. Yeah. Anyway, any role he's in, he's always awesome. And, and honestly, he's been in so many roles. You'll see him in a movie, you forget he was in it because he just like he just becomes that character. So it got to make you think like, oh, that's Mickey, uh, uh, that's Rugger Howard. He was in that movie. Oh, he was in that movie, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. he was in so many roles. Now, here's my thing about Rugger Howard. Okay, so here's why Rugger Howard has such an impact on me. And when I mention it to everybody else, then you're going to be like, oh, he's an impact on me too. Okay, so remember his character from Blade Runner, right? Yeah. Okay, have you ever played Tekken? Yeah, oh, you're talking about uh, Brian Fury. Brian Fury. Okay, so I yeah. didn't. I hadn't seen. I saw. I saw. I played Tekken first. Like I said, Tekken is my religion. I keep saying this over and over again. So when I playing Tekken and Brian Fury, I, that was my main on the game. For those that don't know what main means on fighting games, I get to the video game section, not here. That's when we get deeper into the geek shit. So I was maining Brian Fury. That's my guy, beating shit out of people. So I'm watching Blade Runner, watching Rucker How- Howard play that cyborg white haired dude. I'm like, hey, that's Brian Fury. And not knowing that that's the inspiration from it, where it all came from. So. Yeah. Oh, fuck. It, it just hit me. It just hit me. Okay. Brian Fury, right? Yeah. Blind Fury. There you go, dude. Fuck. Oh, but Rud- light Rud- bulb. Rudger, Rudger Howard never wore snakeskins pants, though. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's true. Actually, maybe, maybe, maybe. I imagine he could pull it off. Yeah. But did you ever see Nighthawks? Uh-uh, I didn't see that. Sylvester Stallone and Billy D. Williams, they're cops in New York. And they're and Rudger Hauer is another terrorist, like blowing up shit in New York. And it's dope. That's like it's early eighties. It's it's right before Ram uh Rambo. Well he did Rambo. It was before First Blood. It was like he was coming out of Rocky and shit. Okay. And Sylvester Stallone played, he's a cop. It's dope. Nighthawks. I that's another highly recommended movie for you know, classic 80s action shit. Senseless violence and all that cool shit. That the shit love. you can't make nowadays. Yeah, that you, they can't, they, they, you can't do the shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and no, oh, Hobo with age. the shotgun. We forgot about, he, Hobo even, with shotgun. even that's later one of the, on that's in life. Like, a, like one of his more recent ones, right? Yeah, he was able to make a, yeah, he was the Hobo with the shotgun, which was an ode to like 80s action, you know, Exploitation flex. And right, shit. one of those throwbacks you could put in there. So. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, rest in peace, Rucker Howard. Uh, you will always be Brian Fury to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we move on to the box office numbers now? Yeah, sure. All right, let's jump into this bad boy. Like I said, uh, really not too much movement on there. Uh, Eli, give it to me. What's the number one movie of the week? Is it uh, Toy Story again? It wasn't Toy Story last time. Oh, what's what's the other Disney was, shit out? It was like a Disney movie. Whatever Disney, Disney movie's out. It's a, no matter what it is, it's always going to be a Disney movie. It's a Disney, whatever Disney shit's out. Whatever <laughs> Disney shit out, that's number one. That That's a constant. Death, taxes, Disney movies. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Lion King is number one. And in the second week. It Lion did, King. That's yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah, it did 75 million. Yeah. This Holy is shit. insane. People. What the fuck, man? People seem to hate the movie. I'm seeing and people. I, I, I know people are like the the lions look too real. 
Like, so you wanted a fucking cartoon? Like, <laughs> right. But it's not like they did. But they're like, they don't care. They're going to see the movie anyway. Yeah, like, what the hell, man? Uh, I don't know. People complain. It's like Disney owns you. You can complain all you want to. It doesn't matter. Disney owns you. <laughs> and so, oh, number two, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I saw Eli, it. You, you saw this. I know you did. I'm going to give you a chance to double back to this, but we're just going to keep going down the row and, and see what we have here. Okay. So we also have a Spider Man Far From Home. Now, okay, that's, that's not three. bad. Let's drop some news on Spider Man Far From Home right there. So. Spider-Man Far From Home is the first Spider-Man movie to hit a bit, uh, gross over a billion dollars. Really? Yeah, it's the first movie ever to gross over a billion dollars. So, and what I'm hearing that I don't know how true this is, like I said, you got those bullshit CosmicNews.com and WeGotItCovered.com. So, take this news with a grain of salt. But what I'm hearing is that Sony and Disney's deal pretty much guaranteed the basically sony said that disney had to make a billion dollars on the second spider-man movie otherwise they were going to take the rights back you know but oh really yeah that's what that's what i'm hearing you know because now that disney has you know sony got their movies up running like venom and spider-verse and silver and black and all this bullshit and morbius you know now they got their universe up and running they they feel confident that they can take it back but now that Disney has done a billion and their movies have no never done a billion before, they're like, okay, well, we got to keep playing ball. So basically, it's going to be like if they, if it failed to hit a billion, they were going to take it back. It was never going to be a Spider-Man three. No. Okay. But like I said, take that news with a grain of salt. All hearsay and you know rumors and whatnot. But oh, here's the funny thing. Guess what the lowest grossing Spider-Man movie is? Uh, to the Spider Verse. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, that's sad. That's kind of I fucked think, up. I think, I think we discussed this before. I think we did, but I mean, yeah. but the numbers weren't solidified at the time yet. But now we can actually sit there and talk about it. That wow, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which may be the best Spider-Man movie, is the yeah. lowest-grossing Spider-Man movie. Yeah, that's too bad. It's bad, man. It is. Uh, number four, we have Toy Story. Number five, Crawl, which you gave a six point five out of five last week. Uh, we have number six, Yesterday, that Beatles movie. Uh, number seven, Aladdin, another live-action Disney movie. Uh, number eight, Stuber. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, number eight. Hey, both of those guys in the MCU. That's pretty interesting. Okay, sidebar. Uh, number nine, Annabelle Comes Home. Still cranking movies out. Uh, number ten, The Farewell. Okay. And... He's interested. Number 11, Secret Lives of Pets 2, and number 12, Avengers Endgame. What the... F- okay. <laughs> Still in there. Even though um, Avengers Endgame comes out on digital next week. So, it's there. Uh, I do want to briefly talk about Avengers Endgame real quick because... Did you see the deleted scene? I saw it where, where Stark dies or whatever and everyone's mm-hmm. kneeling. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert, yeah. Even though they're showing it in the, in the trailer. <laughs> Fucking, he died with Infinity Gauntlet in his hand. So, yeah, and people, basically, what the uh, for those that haven't seen the deleted scene and to be on the Blu-ray or the d- direct DVD or whatever, uh, Stark dies, and for a minute, everybody just kneels in front of him, you know, to pay their respects. You know, people are pissed. They're like, why couldn't that scene be in the movie? It's already a three-hour fucking movie. They got to cut something. You know, you, you mm-hmm. know, t- no telling what else they cut. In the movie, so they had to cut something. But here's the thing, Eli: you got other people that are pissed that the scene even exists, that even saw the scene, and oh, you yeah. know why? 
why. Okay. So you got a bunch of people kneeling. It's not woken. Well, who's the first one to kneel? Black I guess Panther? the first person to kneel ever is Black Panther. Kaepernick. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Who, who are okay. you saying? I thought it was Black Panther. I said oh, Black Panther. Did Black Panther kneel? He didn't kneel. Oh, oh, oh I know what you're saying. <laughs> well, I didn't see fuck? who. That would be what fucked is, up if Black Panther was first with a kneel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to be pissed off anymore. Yet, <laughs> Everybody's man. pissed at something. I, I, but I, yeah, if, I, if yeah, what happened, so hard what you said today, happened, man. that would make people even more pissed if, if both of what we said happened. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> because people kneel, they said it reminded them too much of Colin Kaepernick. Oh, that's wow! Yeah, so that got them. <laughs> so pissed. was Black Panther? Did Black Panther kneel first? I don't know. I gotta watch it again. It's, now you got me curious because if Black Panther was the first one to kneel, I'm like, oh, they did this shit on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but I can't oh, see Black shit. Panther kneeling for Tony Stark in, in the first place. Anyway, I, I thought you were gonna say, oh, they got pissed off because Gamora didn't kneel or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking uh, far right. <laughs> Uh, so yeah but she just left that's her thing so they've kind of explained where Gamora went even though they said at the end of the movie where she went anyway she disappeared you know she didn't kneel Mm -hmm. but yeah so people are pissed because they think they would make a political statement Uh, if you follow any of the Marvel actors Twitter feed they're super far left all of them Don Cheadle, Chris Evans doesn't matter so you can almost say this probably wasn't, you know, it probably was intentional. And probably the Russo's were like, hey, maybe this is going a little bit too far. Let's just cut this shit and be done with it. We don't want to make it too You know political. what? It's, yeah, I, you know, I, I found the scene very moving. I was, I almost, when I watched it, I got a little lump in my throat. I was like, holy shit, is this going to make me fucking, you know, right. sad all over again? Here's my thing. I, and then, like, I, I can't keep up with, you know, I can't, I'm so woke that I'm getting tired. Man. I need to sleep. I need a, I need a nap, man. Because no matter what shit. you do, somebody would get pissed off about something. Yeah, man. You can't make a move. You can't do anything. Now, me personally, the scene, all the politics bullshit aside, I'm glad they cut it. It didn't need to be, it's just like you said, it's a little bit too moving, a little bit too emotional, and it's cool, but at the same time, you... You don't want Tony Stark's death to hit you that hard. Because what they did, and I noticed this, the musical cue that was playing when Tony Stark died, they left that in the movie. The only difference was instead of everybody kneeling, you had Tony Stark giving his own eulogy, saying that life moves on, everything's happened, I'm just glad my family's safe. So, yeah, he still died, and you still, so instead of you being mourning over his death, you're celebrating his life because he's giving his own eulogy. He's, you know, he's creating his own narrative. Mm-hmm. Which I I think that's a better better move than you know everybody just sitting there being somber and sad over Tony Stark. Me personally, you know, so I think the route that they went in the theatrical version was the route that it should have went. Yeah, me me personally. So uh, now no, it, it was fun. Like I I understand why they cut it because yeah, it was too long and and it was redundant and it would have took away from the funeral scene where they do pay tribute to him with all the characters and shit. Right, right. So, so no reason to do that over again and draw it out yeah. even longer than what it is. No. Yeah, so I thought it was a good call, but it was a nice little nugget for fans to, you know, chew on. Like, oh, this is what, you know... But yeah. I, I You know, you didn't need to fucking, you know, crucify anybody for it, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they cut it out of the movie, assholes. Right. 
Oh man. Chill the fuck out. <laughs> so now that being said, you saw a movie. I did. Okay. I have re- honestly really no idea what this movie is about. Uh this movie and is it's one- better it's better if you don't. If you go in not knowing. Okay. I'm, well, I'm gonna, it's, okay. I'm, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna take it. first off, let's say the movie what you saw. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, you saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh yeah. starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and some chick. Some shit. <laughs> I, I don't know. You probably. I'm, I'm pretty sure you know who it is. But take it away, Eli. What, what do you What do you think about the movie? Okay. Well, it's Quentin Tarantino's new movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and first, his last. Oh well, he's every movie is his last. Well, he he's debating on making the Star Trek movie. What might be his last is he wanted to. He wants to make ten movies. This is his ninth one, and um, and yeah. So, uh. Well, first off, once I like, I'm a fan of movies. I'm a fan of cinema. I'm a fan of going to movies, and I'm a fan of Quentin Tarantino. Um, his movies are like events, like oh shit! So there's excitement when he makes a movie. Um, so I went in, went into this not knowing the story, um, but a little familiar. I mean, I think it pays to know the. the um, know the background of the story that yeah, now that's, that's what i'm curious about you saying you're familiar now how did you get familiar with the story well it takes place um around the manson murders mm-hmm. the manson family charles manson and his, his cult and the murders that he you know he killed sharon tate and another family they went on this murder spree in you know in in la in hollywood this psycho hippie cult you know if you're familiar with the, the manson murders you know mm-hmm. so if 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 you if you know about that that does cause more tense that makes this movie a little more intense you know so um, but other than that the movie is just about um, an aging movie star who's past his prime and his stunt double and there's they have this sort of symbiotic relationship you know where he's a stunt double he gets work if that if the actor gets work you know what i mean mm-hmm. and he's reached his his he's it's after his prime he's not getting the roles that he used to he's not playing the good he he was basically a western hero a cowboy hero during the 50s and 60s and now this is 1969 and the westerns well, are dying out and westerns are dying out where we've you know america the culture is shifting mm. you know ch- times are changing america this is no longer the 50s, where it's after the, you know, World War II, you know, America was all, yeah, fuck yeah, we're the best nation on earth, when they, and the cowboy, yeah, yeah. cowboy heroes were the the shit in the 50s, it was all about America being badass, and conquering the West, cowboys versus Indians, we're we're the, we're the baddest nation on the planet, well now, you know, here we go, we enter the 60s, there's civil rights, there's women's lib, there's, yeah, you know, the Vietnam, you have, you know, assassinations of JFK, Martin Luther King, and all, mm-hmm. you know. There's a very Nixon tr- being a crook in office. Yes, Watergate, you know. So there was this change in the culture. And there was a less need for the cowboy heroes on TV and in the movies. And this guy, this actor, Leo DiCaprio's character, Rick Dalton is his name. He is starting to feel the pressures of that. He's struggling with that change. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially all the movie's about, is them trying to navigate this culture shift um and that's all about i don't want to spoil anything because not knowing makes is what makes the movie so good i actually really liked it a lot 
Um, I don't think it's his best movie, but it was really funny. Like it was really funny. I was laughing a lot. It has that, you know, that witty, you know, the Tarantino witty dialogue and mm-hmm. uh, Royale with cheese. Yeah, all, you know, more memorable lines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had a good time with it, and what because I, I you're I'm familiar with the Manson murders and stuff mm-hmm. that layered the movie with this sort of unnerving tension. Every time you saw the hippies, you're like, oh shit, oh shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it has this underlying suspense you know, tension going through the whole movie um, because he lived next door to Ter- Sharon Tate. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so, you know, that's coming. And because, you know, and then of course it's Margot Robbie, you know? Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I, I couldn't uh, tell who that was on the, on the post. Yeah. Margot Robbie plays Sharon Tate and she is basically, but the movie's not about her. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about her. It's not even about the Manson murder. That's just the backdrop. That's just going on in the background. You know, the movie's about, you know, Rick Dalton and Cliff, his stunt double. So that, and I think people, um, I've seen a lot of controversy about this. You know, of course, the Cannes Film Festival, when it was released, you know, that one journalist, you know, asked Quentin Tarantino at the press conference, why didn't Margot Robbie have any more lines? Mm-hmm. Why did why did why did she have so such little dialogue? In this I movie? mean, because the earlier things I was hearing about this movie, like when they were first making it, I, I was hearing that the movie was going to be about her, like she was going to be the main, you know, main character. Yeah. I guess when but he the, was like first draft of the script. Yeah, um, but she's not. She's okay. a very small part in this movie. And okay. so when he when this you know this woman female journalist confronted Tarantino at the Cannes Film Festival, like why didn't you give Margot Robbie more? more things to do why is she in this movie so little you know and he just said i reject your hypothesis and then it turned into you know that you know how the internet blew up outrage you know quentin tarantino lashes out at feminist reporter for confronting him on his misogyny you know it just blew up you know (laughs) wow (laughs) you know and um after seeing the movie i'm like i get what he was saying right she is not the focus of the movie sharon tate well, it's my, just okay. Oh, no, I'm, I ain't mean to cut you off, but I'm just saying. But that's his choice. Yes, that's the movie he wants to make. Yeah, it's like asking Bob Ross, oh, "How come you didn't paint any rain, rainbows? You must hate gay people." Right. You know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's an artist, and this is what this is the story he wanted to make. You know, but by it's like, and I keep seeing this throughout all this weekend. I keep seeing. You know, it's time to cancel Tarantino for his treatment of women. Oh my goodness! You know, it's time to you know, it's all this shit is like real. He's he's sex. His movies are sexist. They're it's got all this. You know, his movies are full of violence towards women and all this shit. And I'm like, really? The guy who made Kill Bill, right? The guy, the guy who made Death Proof, the guy who made Jackie Brown, is sexist, right? <laughs> no, I'm like, holy shit, man! And it's just like, just like, oh, you know, it's like, and they totally missed. They totally missed the point of Sharon Tate's character. The movie's not about her. Right. But she's in it. She's just a metaphor. She's just a symbol of the time, of Hollywood, the the glamour, the glitz, the fame, the indulgence of that Hollywood lifestyle of the 60s. That's all she – she's just there, sprinkled in as a, a reminder of the times, just like the Manson, the Manson family. They're sprinkled throughout just to show this is – another counterculture that ended the hippie movement 
You know what I mean? These right. two, this culture that clash that are clashing against each other and bringing about the end of this era in Hollywood. And that's essentially what the movie is trying to say. It's a comment on the changing of the times. But people and are I missing can, that because they want to defer their own narrative yeah. about what it's not even about. Yeah. They're sitting there checking boxes. Oh, Sharon Tate or Margot Robbie had had so much less dialogue than all the men. They're just, you know, <laughs> just, you know, getting pissed off when there's nothing to be, when they're missing the point of the movie. Right. And what I saw from the, what, what I, this is just me, but what I saw is like, you're right, Tarantino is almost, he's, he only wants to make like one more movie because he knows the business is changing. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, it's a known fact. He does not allow cell phones on his, on his film sets. He doesn't want any of his crew on cell phones. You know, right. he hates cell phones. So he knows this digital age is changing the movie industry. Cinema is a dying art. And he's you know? fighting that because he's not shooting. He's shooting like on, what is it, 35 millimeter he's, or something? Yeah, 70 mil. He shot the hateful eight on 70 millimeter. Yeah, like nobody they, does they, that anymore. Yeah, they don't even make those cameras anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he's you like know? the last one doing it. So he's like a dying breed in Hollywood. Yeah. And he knows this. And I think this movie is him telling us that. Like, the times are changing in this digital age where people are watching YouTube videos on their cell phones. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to the movies anymore. You got Disney fucking buying up all the studios. Yeah. You want to know why, how, why Lion King is number one? Because there was the fucking... I went to my movie theater. There's like four theaters with Lion King. And only <laughs> one theater was showing Once Upon a Time. Right, you know? and Disney will and do that. They'll make sure all you the theaters had, are playing, right. Yeah, Spider-Man's in another couple. They still had Endgame. You know, it's all Disney movies. <laughs> right. And, and Tantino's one, one theater. In the <laughs> <laughs> and Endgame has been playing, what, like three, four months now? Yeah, trying to beat, you know, trying to beat another property that they own. You know, right. <laughs> he knows that this, you know, this is another end of an era. And what's his last movie supposed to be? Star Trek. Right. Another franchise. So this is him trying to adjust with the times. Right. You know? So I think this movie is just a love letter to an old art form, an old art form. And he feels that, you know, an art form that he loved. I mean, this is pure cinema, you know, filmmaking. I'm glad you, you know? brought it up. It was something else that came to my attention. Wasn't this movie supposed to be on Netflix? I don't know. Or is it, it may be another movie I'm thinking about, but I'm thinking about it. it was like a big budget movie with a bunch of actors in it and everybody thinking it was going to be in the theaters. But they were like, nah, we changed our mind. We're going to make it to go to Netflix because we because Disney is muscling out everybody. Mm -hmm. So if you want to well, make money, you got to go to a different I, platform. I remember he was pissed off at um, over The Force Awakens mm -hmm. because they fucked him out of the Cinerama or whatever, that theater. in uh, There's that big theater in L.A. Right. He wanted to play. He wanted to premiere the Hateful Eight at, but Disney wouldn't take you know the Force Awakens out, and it had already been out a month or whatever. Right, they wanted <laughs> so to I make two billion or something, you know. Yeah, so I know there was that 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 controversy, but you know, I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, if you go listen to you know my episode of Geek Sads, we go on long lengths of, I mean, he's always they, the press have always come down on him throughout the years for everything for violence for racism for everything you know and it's like you know he's he's just an artist doing his thing and, and that's the thing like quentin tarantino even when he was young making these movies in the 90s he was making throwback movies yeah like he, in the 90s he was making throwback movies to the 70s like even back then he 
the movies he was making people weren't making then. Yeah. So you fast forward to 20 years from now and we're in the woke era and the Me yeah. Too era and you like he is a dying breed. You can say he's a dinosaur. You know? Yeah. And he knows it. He knows. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do one more movie because, you know, people don't give a fuck about this shit anymore. Right. And for for him. to, And that's the thing. I think the movie itself is a statement. I think he was for him to make a movie like this, mm-hmm. to make a three hour, almost three hour movie that's not about superheroes or fucking CGI or any of that shit. For him to make an old school type of movie now is a statement in itself. But the you fact know. that it's even number two after Lion King is a statement also. Yeah. Like, he's still moving numbers. Like, he's one of the only directors. Like I'm looking at the poster of Once Upon a Time in China, uh, Hollywood. <laughs> only his name, I, I fucked it up, but only his name is on the poster. Like yeah. most, like, And that's it. Not Leonardo DiCaprio, not Brad Pitt, who are big names. His name is on the poster. So he's selling this movie. Like, his name yeah. is selling this movie, which and he's, who else can he's do pro- that? Yeah, he's probably the last director who can. Right. I mean, we talked about this. The movie stars are over. Yeah. And that, that that's basically a theme in the movie. Like this, you know, Leo DiCaprio's character, he's a movie star, and he's he's not selling like he used to. Mm-hmm. You know, he's and, starting and, to play and the that's bad a meta, guy. Uh, you, that's now in real life. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, he's a yeah, movie Tom, star that's not moving units like he used to. Yeah, nobody gives a shit about Tom Cruise anymore. Right. Unless <laughs> they're know? in a franchise. Unless it's and, Mission and Impossible. And even then, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, and Mission, yeah. I mean, you know, you can say, oh, yeah, Jason Momoa sold Aquaman, but, you know, Jason Momoa's been in a bunch of movies that didn't make a billion. Right, you know? that no one cares about. Right. Yeah, but you put him in, yeah, you put him in a comic book movie, then yeah. You know? And that's the thing, like, we, we, we hate to say it, and though we're a comic book podcast, but we have to call it what it is. People only go see movies that other people are seeing. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. Everybody hates Lion King, but people are going to see it because everybody is seeing Lion King. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's the thing to do, you know. Yeah. But, so. uh, but yeah, but other than that, I it's 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 it is a, it's a funny movie. It's it's I had a lot of fun in it. I laughed a lot. Um, the ending is fucking nuts. And it, there's a really the Bruce Lee scene is one of my one of my favorite moment movie moments of the year. When <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, I recommend, but but that's me. I'm an old school film fan. I like movies. I like how they're made. I like you know the picking them apart and analyzing. Right. I like comic books too, but right. I like you know I like that he that he can make a movie like this. That a movie like this still exists now, and I could see it in on the IMAX like I did. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So so yeah, uh, I I dig it. I give it a four out of five. Go check that out, you know. And like I said, it's Quentin Tarantino. I mean, like yeah. I said, you're not gonna get movies like this anymore. It's a reason he can still sell these movies like he can. Uh, yeah. It's interesting you saying that the the like the movie is about the end of an era and how these movies start having a hard time transitioning. Because it was mm-hmm. interesting because it was a few uh, actors back then that could change, like Clint Eastwood. You know, yeah, he would pretty much you know carry the western genre for a time then he moved on to dirty hair became a vigilante and then charles bronson the same way was in westerns left and right stuff like that you know transition to yeah you know death wish stuff like that uh harrison ford was in like a bunch of western like gun smoke and stuff like yeah. that and in star wars he was basically playing a space cowboy yeah and That's I'm all not, he was and, doing yeah. yeah and i'm not saying change is bad that the culture shift was bad because that culture shift led to a cinematic revolution 
that old studio system died in the 60s, and that led to Spielberg and George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola right, they, and Martin they had Scorsese. to reinvent And they, yeah, yeah. They, you had these up-and-coming filmmakers who all of a sudden started making real innovative movies and, and performances got realer. Actors got method. You had Brando and Robert De Niro. You got Meryl Streep who can cry on cue. You know, all, they, they're really digging deep into give you these real performances because of that. Because And because before that, you had these hammy act. It was hammy westerns, you know. Mm-hmm. The acting was very hammy and over the top. You and know? it's the same plot over and over again. Somebody shot a horse or shot your family and you get revenge. Yeah. It was the same movie over and over again. Yeah, so it's like it's not saying that it's a bad thing, that culture's change is bad. It's just, you know, there's that shift that, that, that old guard is dying out and then the new guard takes over. You know, and that cinematic revolution that that happened in the 70s led to Tarantino. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because Tarantino was influenced by Scorsese and, you know, all those old, you know, 70s movies and shit like that. You know, so. So, yeah, I mean, like like I said, it's it's just a tribute to an old dying art form. And he uses those aesthetics of that art form to make this movie. So. So let me ask you this. I'm going to ask you a tough question now. Like I said, right. we're, we're talking metaphor and, you know, hidden agenda. Let's talk about the here and now. Let's talk about these superhero movies. Let's talk about comic book movies. I know we're comic podcasts, but let's shit on them for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think Hollywood can reinvent itself if the bubble ever bursts on, on superhero movies? <sighs> I mean, if they do, if they take chances like like Deadpool, you know, if they can do that. Because Deadpool took the superhero genre and elevate. I feel I feel like that elevated it, and it. But it was right. But I mean, uh, right. It it did elevate superhero genre, but eventually we're gonna run out of shit. It's going to happen. Yeah. Like I, I started thinking about Phase Four for a second. We were all up and roar about Phase Four, but let's think about Phase Four for a second. We're excited over Shang Chi, a kung fu dude. Yeah. Like really? That's. We're excited about the Eternals. We never give a fuck about the Eternals. Yeah. You know, so we're getting over. And the reason I start saying it because I, I watched, I, I bought Captain Marvel this weekend. Okay. I bought it. <laughs> so my, my Marvel cinematic uh, list is complete. And I watched Captain Marvel again for the first time since I watched it in the theater. And you know what I thought? Like, man, this movie sucks. <laughs> I'm like, it, it did. It sucked. But yeah. now, am I going to do like these comic skaters and YouTube and make a two or three hour long rant about how the movies suck? Maybe. Because <laughs> <laughs> they get hits. So, But the point I'm trying to make is it started making me depressed because, okay, this movie sucked. But take away the Russos from Marvel. Like, we're, we're in a Russo-less era now because the Russos are done with Marvel. Mm-hmm. So, do... Do, do you think the bubble's going to pop on Marvel now that the Russos are here? Are we going to get nothing but Captain Marvels after this, after, now that the Russos are gone? I don't know. Like, I think, like, well, we talked about this. After, after, now that, you know, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, now that that OG Avengers crew mm-hmm. is no longer involved, mm-hmm. I think they're not going to be making the billions like they used to. I think they'll be profitable and, you know, and, and they can make movies cheaper, but you know they're not gonna rake rake them in like they used to. You know, I think that I think it's we're gonna see the leveling, the the, the plateau now. You know, and eventually I give give it another five ten years. No one's gonna give a shit. 
But, you know? but the thing so, is now, these Marvel movies, they're popular because people feel like they have to see them. You know? Yeah. But they, what if they start getting to a point where people don't have to see them? So the movies might still be good. Movies still might not still be entertaining and watchable. But what happens to the point where people feel like they aren't must-see entertainment anymore? Yeah. That's what's going to hurt. That's what's – yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's like I don't think people are going to be invested now that the OG crew is gone. You know? Um, yeah, I mean Captain Marvel did okay, but you know, who's, let's see. I mean I think Black Panther still has some steam. But uh, but yeah, I mean, eventually it is gonna, you know, it, it all comes down to the generation, you know. In 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 five to ten years, the kid, the millennials are gonna be, you know, in their thirties and forties, or what's my what's my math? I, my, don't ask me to. I, I I might get myself in trouble for making estimates again. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck those guys, man. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, once the millennials grow up. They're not going to give a shit. They're going to want to see anime. They're, then you'll see, like, anime movies making billions. Oh, yeah. Oh, a good you know Dragon Ball Z the movie. Shit that they grew up. <laughs> yeah, you're going to see, like, the iCarly, you know. Yeah, they're going to be like, they're going to be like, Captain America. Eh, my dad watched yeah. that shit. I don't give a fuck about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, you're going to see SpongeBob, you know, the movie, you know. <laughs> but it's going to be a, live a, a, a gritty reboot. Yeah, so live action SpongeBob and shit. <laughs> Sex scenes and f bombs and shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, the culture's gonna change. It's gonna shift. You know, we just we're just living the nerds and the nerds that inherited the earth right yep. now. You know, the we all grew up on the shit, and we you know the shit in the eighties and seventies and eighties, and that that's what's. We're the demographic. We're right in the middle of that demographic right now. That's what we That's like. That's true because, like I said, like all these comic book movies that are popular now, when we were kids, that's when they were selling the most they ever sold. Like yeah. X-Men number one sold 8 million copies. Superman died and sold 7 million copies. So they were at their prime then. So technically, we're the prime demographic for these comic book movies right now. And all those filmmakers, John Favreau, the Russo brothers, you know, all these, mo- you know, Directors that are making all the Marvel movies, they grew up on Star Wars. Right, and, it, it, right. and it wasn't and like Tim Burton who didn't give a fuck shit. about these movies and we just yeah. kept like the paycheck. These guys are fans, you know. Yeah. So it's it's just yeah. So we're just in in in, in a, 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 a this is the the Marvel era, the Disney era. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> you're gonna keep yeah. bu- buying up everything. I don't know. Yeah. So. So. Um. I had a bunch of other shit I wanted to talk about, Eli, but I'm just passed by this shit, honestly. Because this is going to make me more depressed than this topic. Because this it sounds like an interesting movie, but this topic just made me depressed. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. is like walking out of the theater and the ending. Like, I, I don't want to spoil it, but there's like this bittersweet ending. Mm-hmm. And for me to like, you know, I'm, I'm the analytical, you know, artsy-fartsy film cinephile or whatever you want to call, that yeah. I just like, yeah, that, that's really, that was really cool, but... I think I know what he's saying. This is like the end of an era. You know, this, what, what if this is Tarantino's last movie? Mm-hmm. You know? Because <laughs> he's the, the last director era? that can pull a name by himself. I mean, honestly, Scorsese yeah. can't even pull numbers like this anymore. And he's no. awesome. Yeah, and he makes all kinds of movies. He's known for like three, but right. he made... <laughs> 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 you know, he, he's, he makes all kinds of movies. He makes documentaries. He, you right. Know, like Steven you know, Spielberg. Can't move numbers like this anymore. Yeah, Ready Player One didn't do shit. Right. Nobody saw that. <laughs> and then, but to put a name on thinking he's gonna do something like, nah. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, that was his attempt to like, yeah, look, look what I can do still, and no one gave a fuck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because it didn't have, yeah, because it wasn't a comic book flick or whatever, you know? Right. You know? So, yeah, so even he's, yeah, it's a dying breed. It's a dying art, you know? But so. I, I agree with you. The, the culture is going to shift some kind of way, and we're going to get some new movies up like that, so. Yeah. I don't know. Just say it. Um, <laughs> damn, where do I want to go next with this? Let's talk about something happy, man. You, you depress Wu-Tang? the fuck out of me, man. <laughs> Wu-Tang? Let's talk about Wu-Tang, man. Because I don't want to talk about any of that other bullshit I was going to talk about. Let's talk about Wu-Tang. Okay, you tell me about what's going on with Wu-Tang because I, I kind of halfway know, but I really don't know. What's well, up? I saw this trailer. Like, Hulu is gonna is making a, a the Wu-Tang Clan story or biopic. Okay. On the Wu-Tang Clan. So, I, thought, I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know? Okay. <laughs> I'll watch it. I like Wu-Tang. Yeah, I mean, are we saying it's going to like a movie or like a miniseries? Or what, what? I don't know. I'm not sure. Is it a movie or a miniseries? It doesn't say. It just said on Hulu, available on Hulu or whatever. In, okay. in like I would, I would have preferred, September. and that's the thing, I would have preferred like a live, act, you know, a live movie, a theatrical movie for that, but they may be feeling the same way. It's not a, it's not a superhero movie, so we can't do it. Yeah. We'll make more money putting on Hulu. Yeah, because it was, I hate I mean, it wasn't the greatest, but I had a good time seeing Straight Outta Compton in the theater. Right, but that was saying, that's how fast the movie industry has moved. Yeah, Straight Outta Compton did great then, but maybe wouldn't do those same numbers now. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, shit. Didn't wasn't there a Tupac movie that? Oh, no that movie saw? fucking sucked, man. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't bother seeing. It. <laughs> But so, I would see a Wu Tang movie, you know. Yeah, I would see a Wu Tang movie live at. I mean, you know, in the theatrical version. But like I said, if it's a a, a mini series where they can like really deep delve, uh, dive deep into it, maybe that'll be better for it. Yeah, that would be cool. You can really get into, yeah, really get into characters like really. I mean, because it was so many. Mem- it's not like one guy, you know. Yeah, I it, mean, there's like nine members and shit. <laughs> Right, you gotta like really even dive into it, find out where these guys came from. I've I watched the behind the music on Wu Tang. It's an interesting story, you know, yeah. especially the way they changed the music industry, changed hip hop, changed New York rap, all the stuff like that. It needs to be a movie, so it's very interesting on what they did. So I, I'm interested to see yeah. what they do. To with be that. from Staten Island, to like the forgotten borough of New York, and you know, and to just come out the, and the, and to just yeah, because they what they did, no one was doing at the time. Right. To you know. No one, no one was. Everyone was all doing that, you know, you know the the the, the black power Afrocentric, you know, tribe called quest, you know the, you know all that Queen Latifah was oh, that was that's, that was that's what I meant to say. We need to do some house cleaning real quick. Okay. Okay. Last <laughs> week you said PM Don. PM Don, yeah. There's no way it could have been PM Don. I think you meant to say De La Soul. For for the that song you played was PM Don. I'm right. I know. But when we were talking about songs that just mellow out to, hip-hop songs mellow out to, I think you meant De La Soul, not P.M. Dunn. Because I still think P.M. Dunn yeah. fucking sucks. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or Tribe. Tribe Tribe is awesome. And that's why when you that said shit. Tribe, I'm like, okay, if you say Tribe, you got to say De La Soul also. I'm thinking both of those, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, they were from that whole, they, they were from that whole clique. Yeah, you know, but I can't remember but, the name of they had it. They had a name. Yeah, De La Soul, Fushnikins, that whole... You know, leaders of the new school, bust around. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah, all that, that yeah. shit. You know, yeah, all that. Yeah, um, yeah, but that that they, you know, that was that's what was coming up in New York at the time, and then Wu Tang just sort of just it was just beats and rhymes, no yep. hooks or choruses. It was just 
beats and rhymes. <laughs> and it, it was funny because you know they they were in the like kung fu movies and stuff like that, and it's really interesting. Yeah. Well, that's what I latched onto. They were rhyming about comic books and kung fu. And shit. Yeah, like 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 Method Man called himself, you know, Johnny Blaze, the Ghost Johnny Rider. Blaze. Oh, yeah. Tony Stark. Tony Stark. You like Stark okay? Like shit. what the hell? You know, their first video yeah. was a uh, Speed Racer. <laughs> yeah. You know, they ran over anime. Like what the fuck, man? Yeah. Like no, nobody was doing that shit at the time. Yeah, and I, I just remember, like, because I remember, like, Izzy and Fat T. They were they're the hip hop fans. I was the metalhead, you know, and I like some hip hop, you know. But I remember them talking about the Wu Tang Clan, and I got them mixed up with the Booyah Tribe. Okay, <laughs> I was like, I was like Wu Tang Clan. Ain't there those guys that play their own music? Because the Booyah Tribe, they were like a band. They're like right. the Roots, where they they were like an actual band, but they had rappers and shit. They they played their live music. So I'm thinking Wu Tang Clan. Ain't that that band? And they're like, no, <laughs> no. I'm like, oh man. And then I just remember coming home one night, and Fat T and Izzy were like in their room, and they were bumping the Seventh Chamber remix. Mm-hmm. Or Seventh Chamber Part Two, which is the last song on Thirty Six Chambers, right? And that beat, that you know, I was like, "What the hell is this?" Mm-hmm. No, Good Morning Vietnam. I'm like, "Holy shit, what is this?" This is Wu Tang. I'm like, "No shit," and that was like the hardest beat ever. Yep. And that 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 was it. I was like, "Holy shit, man!" And then <laughs> mm-hmm. now, since we lost all our non hip hop listeners, I want to bring this back for a second. I want to tie all this up together. Now. RZA, like I know you don't know who RZA is. RZA, like I said, created the Wu Tang Clan, producer of the Wu Tang Clan. He scored the musical soundtrack to Kill Bill Volume One. Yep. Yeah. And matter of fact, a bunch of movies also, but I know for a fact Kill Bill Volume One. So we listen to the soundtrack, all the RZA, all Wu Tang. Mm-hmm. So because Wu Tang love the babies. <laughs> uh, so yeah, can we move past that? Yeah. I'm interested. I don't know when it's coming out, but I'm interested in seeing that. Uh, we'll go from there. Now let's move on to the video game section. Let's get into it. Now, somebody called me up and told me that there was a Fortnite tournament today. Okay. Yeah, I was like, I don't watch Did you Fortnite. go? Yeah, I don't give a fuck about Fortnite, man. Now, one thing that interests me, though, that I think the winner won like $3 million. I don't know if that's true or not, oh, but that's geez. what somebody told me. Holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's for, these tournaments are like big, big, big things, you know, <laughs> especially since Fortnite. Fortnite does like a billion dollars a year, and it's a free fucking game. I don't even know what the fuck. Where do you get the money from? But I don't know, but they got enough money to pay. I don't know. I'm like I said, I'm throwing three million out there. Somebody just called me and told me that because they assumed I'm in the Fortnite. Because you're nerdy, you like everything. Like no, I don't like everything. <laughs> Some shit I just ignore. Fortnite is one of those. You know, my it's like Pokemon. Like don't call me for no fucking Pokemon. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> I put Fortnite in that same category. I'm a fucking grown man. I pay bills. I don't give a shit about Fortnite. Let my little nephew and, and his friends play that shit. So don't call me about no fucking Fortnite. Now, that being said, let's move on to the fighting game tournament I'm excited for next week. So, okay. Uh, Eli, Evo. Okay. I know you don't give a shit about Evo, so let me break down Evo to you. Even okay. though I don't give a shit about Fortnite, I give many, many, many fucks about fighting games. <laughs> so what they do every year around this time, Las Vegas will host in Mandalay Bay this huge fighting game tournament where, like, all the fighting game tournaments are going to be there, and it happens next week. Uh, and I'm just going to give a rundown of the games that are going to be there. Uh, the number one game that's going to be there, like I said, it's all fighting games. It's a fighting game tournament. Number one game is going to be there is uh, Smash Brothers. For some reason, that is the most popular fighting game on the planet right now. 
I don't know what the fuck it that is. That is weird. But hey, love it. I just, I just that, that's just a... like that's just like Mario versus like that's exactly what it is. Shit. That's yeah. exactly what it is. So it's gonna be a bunch of like little kids in here playing that. <laughs> so we're gonna get them out the way, and then we're gonna get to the real stuff. So Smash Brothers for the little kids first. Then we get to Street Fighter Five. That's my game, the one I play. If I was gonna jump into it, I'd get in there. Uh, Tekken Seven, like I said, my religion. That's the next one. Uh, Samurai Samurai Showdown, old game, came back. Uh, Mortal Kombat yeah. Eleven is gonna be uh, in there. Yeah, my brother brought that up. That, that's fun. Yeah, well, it, it's it's a new one, you know. Yeah, he he he's got it. And we were playing it. It's it's, it's fun. Cool. I've been thinking about getting. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll skip that. Okay, Under Night and Birth. I don't know what the fuck that is. I might be fucking the name up, but who cares? That's the next one after Mortal Kombat Eleven. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Which is weird why it's so low, because actually, last year, it was the top game. Okay. Now it's low. I'm thinking it's something to do with Namco, like the people that own the game. They don't want tournaments, like, running the game because they don't want their profits getting cut into it or something like that. So they haven't been advertising the game much want to. Matter of fact, it's almost like they pretty much, like, killed the game. But they're just doing it because it's still popular enough that they can still make it in the Evo. Uh, Soul Calibur Six. I bought that game during the Steam sale that they had last month. Never installed it, never played it. <laughs> so that's the problem of being a PC gamer. You will buy games you will never play just because they're cheap. Uh, and Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle. I think I might be saying it wrong. Whatever. So those are the evil games. The games that I want to be in there, not going to be in there. I want to get Injustice 2. Injustice 2 is dead. So can't play that. That's the way things are. Next week, I'll be doing a whole. I'll probably do a whole live broadcast about Evo. I'm going to do that. I didn't do it last year, but I'm gonna do it this year. I'm gonna make a big thing about it. Okay. This is on ESPN. I don't think it's gonna be on ESPN. It was on ESPN like two years ago. ESPN dropped it. I will check to see if ESPN will, will be on it again. You know, because I, I love people when people get pissed off about it. You know, I want to see some baseball. What the fuck these fat Asian nerds on here playing Tekken for? You know, <laughs> I love those tweets. So hopefully that shit will happen again. Oh, uh, let me say, can we move on to the to the media podcast? Sure. Okay, this is the part I wanted to get into. So, for those listening to Comic Bullies, this is where we jump into where we talk about comic books. And we got a lot of stuff to go on today because a huge book dropped this week. And it's weird, it's an X-Men book. Yes, it's the 90s all over again. Lion King is number one in the theaters, and we're talking about X-Men. And so There you go. Yeah, so we're here. The name of the book is House of X. And Eli, for the love of God, I wish you had helped me read this book so you could help me break this book down. Because I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been any help. Because Jonathan been, Hickman, who's that? Jonathan Hickman went balls deep into this book. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, like ease it in, Jonathan Hickman. Just this the first book. <laughs> you know, let me break this book down. It's so much shit that happened, man. It was like a double sized book too. Okay, so basically, what happened is the book starts off with uh charles xavier he's alive in this forest or whatever like that and pod people are popping out of trees and stuff like that apparently it's mutants and stuff like that they're popping out and charles xavier is wearing cerebro at all times like he never takes cerebro off and while these pot and these mutants are bursting out of these pods crawling to him from this tree he's saying to me my x-men we don't know what the fuck's going on but anyway we cut on something else so apparently for the last two years uh the mutants, the X-Men have all collected. So now every mutant on the planet is an X-Man now. They no longer fight each other. They're all united. Um, they have, they all live on this island called Krakoa. 
Krakoa has some deep X-Men history, which I'm not going to get into right now. I'm going to break this shit down later on, but I'm not going to get into it right now. They all live on Krakoa. Krakoa is a mutant island they all live on. And the thing is, they've learned how to take plants and put them all over the world, on Mars, on the moon, and stuff like that. And every mutant can pass through this portal. Only mutants. Only mutants can pass through the portal. It, re it can recognize if you're not a mutant or not. So if you're a mutant, you can travel and teleport anywhere from Mars to Krakoa on Earth. And Charles Xavier, you know, through Cerebro, has he wants he wants the mutants to be recognized as their own state, as their own nation. And he has a a mutant conference with the UN and he wants them to meet them at a certain place where they're gonna take them. So they meet one of the Stephan Cuckoos and the Stephan Cuckoos take them a place and then they get introduced to Magneto. Magneto is their ambassador through Kokoa or the areas that they're allowed to go to. So Magneto takes these ambassadors all through the place and the ambassador's like, okay, yeah, this is cool, but when are we gonna see Krakoa? I'm like, never, you'll never see Krakoa. No human is ever allowed to even look at Krakoa. That is mutant, you know, mutant utopia right there. You're allowed to visit every other area, Atlantis, the Savage Land, Mars, the moon, no Krakoa, you can't see that. So, but we get a chance to see Krakoa and Krakoa is this utopia we accept. Wolverine is in the book for one page. And the only thing we see Wolverine doing is playing with some kids laughing. That's it. I'm like, that's weird for an X-Men book that Wolverine does nothing. You know. While we're doing all that, we cut to Damage Control. And Damage Control uh, has Mystique, Toad, and Sabretooth breaking in, stealing uh, intel. Because, you know, Tony Stark and Reed Richards run Damage Control. So they're stealing intel from them. They get out. They get caught by the Fantastic Four. Everybody happens to get loose except Sabretooth. Sabretooth get caught by the Invisible Woman, and they caught him. So before they can uh, go out, Cyclops comes out of the portal because, you know, mutants can go wherever they want to. And he just has a nice conversation with the Fantastic Four. Uh, hey, Reed, how you doing? Thing, you just got married. Mazel tov. Uh, Invisible Woman, you lost weight, you know, having good times. Uh, okay, now Sabretooth, let me, let me get him back. And we were like, no, you can't have him back. He belongs to us because he was breaking into our, our facility. He was like, uh, and Cyclops was like, Reed, you're a smart guy. You know what amnesty means. He was like, yeah, I know what amnesty means, but that doesn't mean you're getting him back. And Cyclops was like, okay, well, that's how you want to play it? And Reed's like, yeah, that's how I want to play it. Okay, you can have him. I'll leave. We'll go about this another channel, and I'll talk to somebody else, and we'll get Saber 2 back that way. And Saber, Saber's like, what the fuck, Cyclops? Fuck you, you come get me. You know, it's like that. And then Cyclops just waves by to the uh, to the Fantastic Four family. He was like, oh, and your son, Franklin, when he's ready to embrace his mutant heritage, let him know, we'll get him the code to record, and, and he can come live with us, you know, throwing shade at them because, you know, Franklin's the most powerful fucking mutant over there. Oh, also, Jonathan Hickman has a list of Omega mutants. Can I, can I read the list off to you? Do it. Okay, hold on. Let me pull it up. I, I found this very interesting. I don't want to read this off the top of my head. Oh, shit. Did my Chromebook die? Fuck. <laughs> Fuck, man. Okay, I can't read it to you. <laughs> anyway, let me go on with the list. Okay. <coughs> oh, it's back on. Cool, it didn't die. Okay. I love you, Chromebook. All right, where is my Omega? Well, let me keep continue on, and I'll read the Omega level list later on. So, by the sun. Now, here's the thing. The humans are pi fucking pissed. Because the mutants are becoming too powerful. The mutants have been recognized as a nation, recognized as a state. 
uh, Professor X can enter anybody's mind anytime he wants to, talk to people anytime he feels like it. The mutants have their own language, have their own code, have their own portals. They can do whatever the fuck they want to. The mutants are multiplying at a rate. They're saying in 20 years, the mutants will outnumber humans on Earth. So the humans are pissed. So the humans are actually building sentinels by the sun over by Mercury because they don't want the mutants to know about what the fuck they're doing. Uh, they see an Omega Sentinel and Shield, Aim, Strike, Alpha Flight, like members of them have all created one organization called Orcus, specifically made to deal with the mutants in case they get out of trouble. And what they're doing, they have a master mold over is by that, the sun. And does that stand for anything? Probably. I don't It's It's Hickman. I'm pretty sure it does. <laughs> so... But they, they have a Master Mole, and Master Mole, like anybody read the old Stanley Jack Kirby X-Men comics, Master Mole is specifically made as an AI, specifically made to just crank out Sentinels left and right. So they're building Sentinels, but not like regular Sentinels, Omega Sentinels. So when the when the mutants get too up their ass, they're going to fuck some shit up. But overall, really wasn't too much fighting in the book. That's pretty much it. And the last thing that happens is... um. Magneto takes the ambassadors to Jerusalem. Like he took them all over the place and last place take them to Jerusalem. And then he asked one of the step of cuckoos, okay, what did we learn? And they pretty much read all the ambassadors' mind. Like every none of these guys are ambassadors. All of them are plants. Uh they're fakes. Some of these guys are here because they want to hear what you gotta say and they do want to make trades with you, but not for their countries, for their business so they can make side deals with you. Some of these guys work for Orcus and it's here just to spy on you. Oh, and some of these guys are here to see what kind of military weapons you have and stuff like that. Matter of fact, this guy's got a gun on him right now. So Magneto, oh, well, I already knew about that. So Magneto flicks his finger. The gun just destroys itself just automatically. He was like, I didn't mean to, uh, I wasn't going to shoot anybody. He was like, oh, I know you weren't. <laughs> That's what Magneto says. Because now look, I understand that you guys don't like me because I'm Magneto. But Charles Xavier is trying to show y'all some brotherly love. But let me make something very, very clear to you right now. I brought you all to Jerusalem for a very specific person because you humans, you understand symbolism. You understand religion. You understand what Jerusalem is. So make this clear. The mutants are your gods. And that's how the book ends. I'm like, okay. cool. So I like to, let me read off the, okay, I found my Omega list. Now, here's the thing I like about this book. Like I said, it's a, and I'm pretty sure some shit I left off in here, but Kickman is throwing so much stuff in here. He's planting seeds about what he's doing. And I like where he's going with this because he's establishing basically everything that we were scared. The mutants were well, not. We were scared, but the humans were scared. The mutants would do. They're doing it. And it's not just Magneto. All of them are on board. Cyclops, Professor X, Magneto. They're all on one page and they're taking over the planet. They are becoming the dominant species, even though they're not. They're basically saying you humans we're giving you the planet. We're letting you have it. We're just taking our little small portion right here, but eventually we're gonna eventually take over everything anyway, no matter what you do. And the humans know that, that's why they're building these Omega Sentinels. So, and basically what, and that's the thing, like Jonathan Hickman is doing something different than we've seen with the X-Men. The X-Men are no longer black people. The X-Men are no longer homosexuals. He's putting it, we're, we're past that symbolism, we're past that metaphor. They're gods, they're religions, they're, you know, they're what we expect them to be. It's kind of like they're making like the Justice League of DC. You know, they expect, and but it's it's weird seeing Professor X being on board with all this shit. But I guess we're getting different characterizations of them. So okay. let me give you the Omega yeah. level mutants they have. It ain't a whole bunch of them like we thought, like fuck Gambit, 
fuck multiple man and all that bullshit like that, those are no longer Mega Mutants. They have a specific list. So the list is some guy named Monarch, who's a reality warper. Iceman, of course. Uh, so my name Elixir. I don't know what it is. Jean Grey. Legion. Magneto. Proteus, who's also a reality warper, who I thought was dead, but maybe he's not dead. Uh, Mr. M. Don't know what it is. Storm. Uh, Exodus, an old guy from the, the 90s. Uh, Kid Omega. Uh, he was in that Avengers West Coast book we were talking about, but that's neither here nor there. Franklin Richards, like we said before. Uh, Vulcan, who is one of Cyclops' sons. And Hope, who is Cable's daughter. So all those, uh, just that list, that's it. The Mega Level Mutants. Anybody, anybody else says they're not Omega. So, that's it. Overall, like I said, so much to pack on this book. Uh, Hickman go, and here's the thing. I read the book twice. I read the director's cut of the book. The first time I read the book, it was actually kind of confusing because Hickman doesn't give you all the details, but they have his script at the end of the book. <coughs> so I read his script, and they actually gave more detail about what the hell was going on. Like, oh, what? I didn't have that shit explained in the story. That would have made, made it more fleshed out. So overall, like I said, Hickman is going to run. I know how Hickman is. Every book is going to be this dense, so you have to keep up with every single detail because when the payoff comes, it's going to hit hard and it's going to be some insane, crazy shit. That's how Hickman writes his book. And like I said, Hickman is on another level than what everybody else is doing right now. Like every other comic book writer, the best they're trying to do is they're just trying, they're just writing a movie script. That's all they're doing. Because they know there's no money in comics. They're writing a movie script in a comic book form so they can sell it to movie or hoping Marvel or DC can make it a movie, something like that. Hickman's not doing this. Hickman is world building. Every single panel in there was like, this is, Hickman is creating a whole new, like, he's on some token shit right now. What he's doing with this stuff right now. In just this one book, you can see everything he's doing and the world he's building with this. We haven't even gotten to the other book he's doing, Powers of X. Now, anybody that hasn't read a Hickman book, I do want to let you know, do not skip on any Hickman book. It will bite you in the ass. You'll be fucked if you're trying to keep up with him. He did it with Avengers. He did it with Fantastic Four. You have to read all of his shit. You miss one book, you're fucked. So, definitely read Powers of X to come out next week, and we will, we will go from there. Like I said, it was a lot to unpack with this book, Eli. Um, you can wake back up because I'm gonna let you take back over. And you can do the next review. <laughs> but overall, I'm gonna give the book a 4.5 out of five. Read them, get 4.5 out of five. I can't give it just a five out of five like every single body else doing. And I know for a fact, Comic Cast doing it also. Reason I can't do that because Hickman, as much as he crammed into this book, his script was a lot more fleshed out, and those details could have been put into the main book also. Where I didn't have to read this twice to really catch everything that was going on. So that's that's my thing. All right. So, all cool. Damn, that was a long ass time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take a breather. <laughs> no, <Nah>, man. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess I'll go. I got Guardians of the Galaxy number seven. A book I had no idea. Donny Cates, out. yo. <laughs> yeah. So Donny Cates, you and I really wish you, really wish you read this, because mm -hmm. you know me, I'm not. I'm not so well versed in cosmic Marvel. Yeah. I don't know shit about space Marvel shit. So, um, so shit was happening in here. I'm, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, may, this might mean some shit to people who know are familiar with this universe more than I am. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I I was into it. But basically, is it the uh, the Church of Truth 
Oh, yeah, the Universal Church of Truth, yeah. Yeah, okay, so you know who these motherfuckers are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> worship, like, the Magus, like the evil okay. version of Adam Warlock. Okay. Okay, all right. Um, so the Nova Corps, they stumble upon this big, giant-ass ship, this, like, flagship, like, uh, of, the, of the church. It's like this mm. big, giant temple. Yeah, and it's powered by their faith. Yeah, yeah. It's like this big, giant church cathedral on top of a giant like planet-sized ship it looks just huge you know mm-hmm. and they're basically like you know hey you guys got to come out or whatever the fuck and then this uh the 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 leader comes out i forget their name uh, do they got a leader i don't know someone in a cloak comes out uh you know, they they uh, always get killed in like another person was it a chick, was uh, a chick i think last so time. and they're just and there's like, you know, you guys got to stand, stand down or we're going to, you know, we're going to open fire or whatever. And she goes, have faith. And then the ship lights up. That big giant like rune symbol lights up on the ship and basically, I think, converts them all. Convert like this. Converts like, them to the, the Church of Truth. Yeah. It's like this big all these like laser beam tentacles come out and start like wipes out the whole uh all the Nova Corps and they and they start turning into they start saying have faith and all that shit. I, I do want like, so like to say them to to make everybody, you know, put in perspective, like the, the gold people in Guardians Two were kinda based off the Universal Church of Truth. They That's weren't exactly but they were kinda based off them. Yeah, and did they have a different name? What were they called? Uh, they, I forgot the name. So- sovereign. Yeah. They were called the Sovereign. The sovereign, yeah. But they right. were yeah. they were basically reminding me a whole lot of Universal Church of Truth. Yeah, and that's what I was kind of thinking. This this reminded me of Guardians too, but I I couldn't remember. But so anyway, so after that happens, that's like the intro. We cut to uh, the Guardians. Um, they get they're on their ship, and then they get a transmission from uh, Star Lord's dad, Jason. Uh huh. Know him? Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah know leader of the Spartan Star <laughs> shit. Yeah. Okay, so he's like, hey, yeah, um, we we've intercepted a transmission from. Yeah, the Church of Truth, and um, blah blah blah, and then the, it just goes like the, the transmission like goes out, and like Star Lord's like, oh shit, I gotta go get my dad. So they mm-hmm. fly. He has Lockjaw transport them onto the ship, and they're they he you know they're inside the cathedral, and they're all you know they're they're all ready to throw down, and like yo man, you gotta get where's my dad? And the and the and the the pastor or whatever the leader goes, you know, have faith, and then they get wiped out. They get like sucked in with all the laser beam tentacles and they start, you know, you know, turning and shit. Oh, wow. And, um, I got, and then basically the only ones who didn't, uh, get turned were, uh, was it, was Groot and is it Moondragon? Who the fuck was Okay, that? Moondragon, okay. Yeah, they're like the only ones who survive. And they're like, man, hey, I know, you Even know. Even Beta Ray Bill got taken? Yeah, they're all, they all got fucked up and shit. Damn. Or the bald person. Who's this bald person? Yeah, that's Moondrag. I don't remember. I don't know these motherfuckers. Yeah, Moondrag. Yeah, okay, that's it. <laughs> well, she's like the most powerful the telepath in Marvel. So yeah, I, she's I like, you know, we need your help. You know, you know, they're like her. Her and Groot are sitting there. They're on a table. They're all like fucking bummed out. Like, we need your help. You know, I know everybody. Everybody on the squad hates you, but we need your help. And then turn the page, and it's fucking Rocket. Okay. He's he, all, he looks. He's all, he looks normal, like regular Rocket. No, he's all fucked up. He's all. He's got like a. Uh, uh, the fucking uh, what's that shit from the hospital? The the 
he's like all in bandages. And he's he's hooked up to an IV and all that shit. The fuck? And he's okay. dragging around. He's like, well, what do we have to lose? But they never explain what happened to him. No. no. Okay, I they'll save it for another issue, I guess. So. so yeah, so it ends there. So pretty cool. Like like I said, I'm not familiar with the universe, but it was still it was still cool. You know, mm-hmm. I had a I had a good time reading it, and I'm like, hey, okay, Rocket's back. So I give it a three yeah. out of five. Not I like problem. the Universal Church of Truth. They're, they're some cool bad guys. They they have some potential. Mm-hmm. And so they always do some fucked up shit because they always worship like the evil Adam Warlock and shit like that. So if they show up, he's going to show up eventually anyway. So, mm-hmm. Cool story. Uh, my turn? Okay. So uh, real quick, let's do Action Comics uh, 1013. Yeah, 1013. So basically the book starts off. How did the book start off? Oh, yeah, the book start off with the Queen Pen. Okay, so the Queen Pen is chilling mm-hmm. in the house. And one of those Legion of Doom drones flies into her house. For those of them keeping up with the year of the villain, they got this drone that looks like Legion yeah, of Doom. Yeah, who is that? Who is the lady in the cape or the cloak? The lady. Do we know yet? Uh, was it Black Lady? No, she's in the cl- the year of the villain, and it's like some. It looks like uh, Raven or whatever. Not Raven. Okay. Uh, it, the, she's the... like in this purple cloak with the hood and shit. This probably, you're probably talking about Thorn. I think like Thorn is the main person in this book. Okay, yeah. Maybe because okay, she maybe showed up in the New Detectives. Uh, okay, and I'm, and I'm not reading any of the. I'm not reading any of the other shit to know what's going on. No, right. we, we might be talking about two different people, but I, I know Thorn is like the main person in this book. But uh, yeah, so the Queen Pen is chilling in her house. This drone flies in there, and a hologram pops up of Lex Luthor. But Lex Luthor is looking like Emperor Palpatine. You know, he's got like the hood on. He's got like some crazy gloves on stuff like that. They're like, yeah, I've known about you the whole time, Queen Pen. Nothing goes on in my city without me knowing about it. But I want to make you a proposition. He want I want to offer you a gift. And she turns the gift away. She calls in her guards. Her guards come in, destroy the Legion of Doom hologram. Uh, you know, and she blows up her own house because she don't want Lex Luthor to find out where she is. You know, that's that part. We cut to the Daily Planet. Uh, Perry White is getting on his uh. His new reporter, Robinson Good. Now, Robinson Good basically is the new Lois Lane of the Daily Planet. She's taking Lois Lane dead. She's taking all Lois Lane's headlines, stuff like that. And and Perry just don't trust her. He's like, okay, you're too good at this job. You're too good of a reporter. Like, how do you mean I'm too good a reporter? Because it used to take a reporter about a year to, like, start getting really good headlines because they have to learn the city. And this is Metropolis. Metropolis, you take about two or three years before you learn the city. You just walked in here already just cranking out headlines left and right. Something isn't right about you. You're like, what if I'm just good at my job? You don't question Clark Kent like that, or Lois Lane like that. Like, that's them. I'm talking about you. Something didn't write about you. And then she basically uh, says that she knows she has a story about Leviathan. You're like, how'd you get a story about Leviathan? Because that girl, Thorn, Thorn called her up saying, looking for, she was looking for Lois Lane, couldn't find Lois Lane, so she found Robinson Good and was like, I know where, uh, like, Leviathan tried to recruit me, Leviathan is trying to kill me, and I'm trying to get my story out there. So when Perry White hears that, he's like, okay, since you broke it out of me that way, you write the story, find out what's going on, and get back to me. She's like, okay, so that's that. Uh, now, keep in mind, this is page 12 of the book, halfway through the book. Superman finally shows up. <laughs> you know, he's just flying around doing Superman shit. He uses X-ray vision down there. He hears gunfire, uses X-ray vision, and he sees that girl Thorne just shooting at dudes because Leviathan has sent his assassins after her and she's like shooting him off to get off to this. So Superman just shows up 
And of course, everybody stopped fighting because it's Superman. You know, Superman grabs one of the uh, goons. He's like, "Who are you? Where'd you come from?" Something like that. He's like, and and the the goon is like shitting his pants. You know, because it's Superman. He's scared as fuck. He's like, "Superman, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's gonna happen if you take my helmet off because they gave me the helmet. It might mess up something. Don't do it." And Superman just takes the helmet off. But but when but the the helmet has a feedback or backfire to it, and what it does, it teleports Superman into New Delhi, India immediately so superman like what the fuck so he flies back to metropolis in about five seconds but the time that the five seconds it takes him to get back there thorn and all the leviathan goons they disappeared and gone can't find them anywhere so clark kent decides to write a story about that he was like okay so maybe all these you know these uh secret organizations maybe they weren't destroyed maybe they were teleported or moved somewhere maybe they still exist and we need to write a story i didn't find out exactly what's going on with that you know so Robinson Good is on the story too, but she she left for the day because you know she's getting. Well, she's a secret supervillain called the Red Mist, where she turns into smoke and shit like that. And in the middle of her interview with Perry, she was starting to smoke all of a sudden. It's like her hand starts hurting and missing shit like that. So she ran into the bathroom, and uh, one of her coworkers saw smoke coming from the top of the bathroom and stuff like that. And all she said was, "No, Perry, catch you smoking in here. He's gonna lose his shit. You know, stuff like that." So. At the end of the book, she starts, you know, trying to control herself. She's like, I got to get control of myself. Otherwise, you know, they might find out my secret. Then one of those doom bots fly at her. And it's Lex Luthor again. Lex Luthor's like, um, Robinson Good, I know who you are. I know your powers. I know you ties with the queen pen. Guess what? I can tell you exactly your origin, where you came from. And he shows some, like, red devil lady behind her and stuff like that. And then all it says at the bottom, next issue, Naomi. So remember that new chick bendis made the riri williams ripoff that's supposed to be original oh oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah naomi we've been talking about so, so apparently yeah. she's gonna be in the next issue so bendis is gonna really make her a thing okay so that's all i got i, I honestly well, I, I lost track with naomi so i don't even know what naomi can do or what is she or what you know well i i got number one still so. <laughs> number one what naomi Oh yeah, yeah, oh you did read Naomi. That's right. <laughs> I read what, the one. Yeah, I, she's like a Black Lantern or something. I don't know where she is. So we'll we'll yeah. find out. So. <laughs> I never stuck with it, but yeah, I got number one just to check but it out. Ben, ben just keeps saying that she's going to be a thing. Matter of fact, he was on he was on late night TV uh, two days ago. With, uh, Seth Meyer was talking about that shit then. Like he made really? like he was they like, asked him about my. Ben was on a late night show. Yeah, yeah, NBC. Oh, yeah, he was on a late night show. Man. And so, and uh, yeah, he was on there talking about Miles Morales. I'm like, he was glad to see Spider Verse. One of his characters he created was up there. He was talking about all the stuff he's doing for uh, DC. Like he's working on Superman. He uh, they're giving them Legion of superheroes, and he was talking about Naomi also. Like I made this new character Naomi. She's gonna be my next big thing. So he's really, really pushing her. So overall, this book I give it a 3.5 out of five. Superman, it's a Superman book, but he didn't show up to like 13 ish pages later. Where it's pretty much the most of the book is just period right, just cussing out his employees. So, yeah. Okay. I guess. All right. Well, the only other book I got is Detective Comics 1008. Okay. Uh, and I guess it's a year of the villain tie in, but um, I don't know. This is just a Joker story. It's just a really cool Joker story. Joker's took over the amusement park, he's got everybody. Uh, strapped with the these like collars that are released joker gas um if uh if, if they try to escape or whatever and batman just goes there and uh 
you know, gets him and rescues the day. It's it's like a really just a almost like a one shot, a one shot of Joker versus Batman. It was really cool, but at the end, it shows uh, it, it's back in the the Pine Barrens. One of them little drones from Lex Luthor right, shows the up. Legion of Doom drone, yeah. Yeah, that shows up to uh, to Mister Freeze's uh, lair, and it's like, hey, you know, we, we need to do we need to do some shit, you know, because I'll, uh, I'll you know I'll, I'll basically bring your wife back to life if you help me and shit. And then he's like, oh, okay, and then that's it. So. And was Lex Luthor wearing that that Palpatine hood and all this? Yeah, stuff? that's is that Lex Luthor then? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a chick. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was Lex Luthor going around doing that bullshit. So the purple hood and shit. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Okay. Okay. So that that's okay. See, I didn't know who that. was. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, he's just going around in every year the villain book, just like recruiting people or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So that 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 was it. So this was this was just cool. This is Joker and the Batman. Back together again, you know, cool shit. The art is awesome. This book is dope. This detective, so I'll give it a four out of five. The art, who's doing art? Oh, Doug Mankey. Is that his oh name? yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, okay, yeah. He, he's yeah. He's a longtime Batman yeah. guy. Yeah, and then Jamie Mendoza and on inks and Dave Barron on the colors. So and and of course Tomasi writing. So a lot of cool, really cool. Four out of five. So. Okay, cool, cool. All right. Um, Last book I, I got. got. Last book I got is uh, Valkyrie number one. Okay. So this is interesting. Like I said, this is flat, uh, straight out of this is the aftermath of War of the Realms. You know, we, this is the big crossover they had. Uh, Jane Foster broke the ultimate uh, Mjolnir, and but the little piece of it got stuck to her and gave her Valkyrie powers or whatever. So based on the book starts off, she's it's, it's a, it, this is a paint by numbers, step by step superhero origin book. Or, or like a first issue of every superhero book. Basically what happens is uh, there's this bad guy robbing. Okay, you know, the Water Realms, you know, they have all these like Asgardian weapons laying around the city and shit like that. So Damage Control was taking the weapons back to Damage Control like that. And this, this bad guy named Blue Streak robs them. Basically. He's a superpower. He's a super dude. He's got like superpower roller kicks like that. And one of his other jobs he had he decided to give the money to his other friends, his other four friends, and they decided to make a team called the Fast Five <laughs> or whatever. So they're robbing damage control. You know, one of their uh, trucks like that. Valkyrie shows up. You know, she flies in and shit like that. And it's traditional. You know, she sees the Fast Five. The Fast Five, you know, throw a car at her. She catches the car. So obviously got super strength, you know. Uh she one of the guy one of the guys go invisible but she has valkyrie vision where she can see her you know uh she can she can form weapons out of nowhere you know she's basically hawk girl that's basically what she is let's <laughs> let's not pretend what this is now she's not fighting elves or anything no 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 you know they, they beat all those guys so she's just fighting like regular ass superpower dudes okay you know? but the On reason Earth? the reason she's here Stopping these guys is because I, I don't know how familiar you are with Valkyrie, but Valkyrie has this sword called Dragon Fang. So Dragon Fang is on this damage control van that these guys are trying to steal. And one of the bad guys from Fast Five get the Dragon Fang, and while she's fighting these other dudes, he gets away. You know, he gets away from her. Uh, and she never catches him. Uh, but it turns out when the dude's name is Goldmine, so Goldmine runs into an alleyway, and before he can get away, Somebody, you know, trips him and takes the store from him and stabs him in the heart and kills him. 
you know and then whoever kills him the assassin just walks off with the sword himself so jane foster is with damage control she they doing cleanup they're arresting the other guys like that but she's late for her job you know her uh, performance review for her job because she's back being a doctor again and so she goes back to a, a performance review the doctor her boss is pissed because she's late again she's like jane i'm sick of your shit you're always late for work you're late for your performance review when you you recover from cancer but every time we tried to uh cure you from cancer and you kept missing the chemotherapy and we were paying for it you're costing her too much money i'm not gonna fire you but i'm gonna transfer you so she transferred to the morgue she's like i'm i'm, I'm sick of you until you get your shit together you work in the morgue so she works with the <laughs> other guy who just talked to himself all day because he's been stuck around dead people all day he's like weird as fuck can't remember his name his name montgomery or something like that but anyway he's working on a new case and the body that he pulls out is the body she recognized the supervillain named goldmine she's like oh shit i know who killed him you know obviously he was stuck he was stabbed by dragon fang and somebody took dragon fang from him so i gotta find out what happened to it so jane has a new power where she can go to valhalla anytime she feels like it she goes to valhalla and talks to the old valkyrie uh broomhilda broomhilda whatever like that and they sit there have a drink and stuff like that and she asked for advice she was like well why don't you you why don't you talk to heimdall get him well no she tells him what what dragon fang can do like i'm gonna tell you all the powers he can do first off dragon fang if you're holding it it hides you from all magic so no kind of what magic radar or like that you can't find them because dragon fang hides you from that whatever level of swordsman you are it enhances your ability of sword play so you become this x-men swordman out of nowhere just from holding the sword by itself and you get control of her horse so whoever holds dragon fang horse that wicked pegasus whatever like that you get it automatically it you you automatically control it so she's like okay so whoever whatever assassin we're dealing with has all this shit like then this is gonna be hard so she takes heimdall with her and but she knows that heimdall really can't as long as whoever the assassin is holding dragon fang heimdall can't find him but heimdall tells jane guess what jane since you're a valkyrie you have more powers you didn't know about you can see stuff i can't see she's like really yeah just try it out so apparently valkyrie vision since she's a valkyrie and she takes people to valhalla and carries the dead so like that she can see the lifespan of everybody on the planet like she can look at somebody and tell when they're going to die like for instance she was looking at a hot dog stand and the guy serving the hot dog to the hot dog guy like the hot dog the dude eating the hot dog had a short lifespan on him but the guy selling the hot dog was okay you know because he eating all his cholesterol shit like that then heimdall's like see jane i told you you have these superpowers so she looked back at heimdall and heimdall got this big death symbol around him so she like like death is like five seconds away from you like oh shit heimdall move he's like oh and then as soon as he's saying thing bam he gets stabbed by dragon fang and then she finds out who the assassin is the assassin is bullseye riding a pegasus <laughs> and she's like oh shit well i can't see no death sign and, and jane just thinks to herself i can't see no death sign over at bullseye's head and then she pulls out her sword at least not yet to be continued and that's the book so pretty much a standard run-of-the-mill paint by numbers superhero book Your bad guys show up you show the powers you show the secret identity you show the supporting cast you show the cliffhanger at the end it's 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 standard you know i will say this the art was pretty awesome in that one it was a pretty fun read comic skaters hate this book you know because they're saying marvel is still being woke how is marvel being woke with this how how are people pissed off about this she's no longer being replacing a man she's replacing a woman 
So how is this woke? How's this SAW? It's like people just want to be pissed just to be pissed. Yeah, it's getting really exhausting. <laughs> and plus, I went on the Twitter comments and Facebook comments. Every comment on the Valkyrie number one page is people bitching about uh, Jane Foster, uh, uh, Natalie Portman. <laughs> That's all they care about, Natalie Portman being Thor. You make her Thor, I'm not watching the movie. They don't give a fuck about the comic. They're just pissed about Natalie Portman. <laughs> so, overall, personally, I'm going to give the book a four out of five. I do want to read the next issue. I want to see what uh, Bullseye writing a Pegasus does with, with fighting <laughs> Jane Foster. That sounds interesting to me. And, and like I said, Jason Aaron, he delivers. I mean, he does. You can say what you want to about the character, what he does with Jane Foster, but he delivers on book. I thought Water Realm was going to be like a shit book. It was actually pretty fun. You know, what it was. So, yeah, that's that's all I got. Uh, shoot, you got anything else? Nah, I'm good. Cool. Okay. Uh, like I said, that's all the books we got. Uh, the, the podcast didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. I had some other topics I want to talk to, but we kind of got depressing after a while, so I just let it just... Just, just let, just go with the flow. <laughs> no, uh, definitely listen to our other podcasts. We have Geek Sounds. Uh, listen to Comic Cast. I know they talk about House of X. Also, I'm curious to see what what they have to say about it. How they break the story down. Uh, Gomer is a big X Men fan, so I want to see what he got to say about this. Uh, definitely go listen to what else we got? Hoodoo TV. Valiant, Valiant dropped a new new um, episode. And this Geeks and Comics, they may or may not have dropped something. I don't know what the hell they're doing right now. Next week, I am going to talk about me, me personally. I'm going to talk about Evo. <laughs> Eli is going <laughs> to sit back and smoke a cigarette, probably fix a sandwich. May take a shit doing the podcast <laughs> while I'm doing all well, this. I, I might watch, watch the rest of the boys because I watched episode one. We didn't talk about the boys. Like, oh, damn. Yeah. We're going to talk but about next I, week. Well, next, next week, week. I only next watch week, one we'll episode. So. I may, I may watch the boys too and, and add something to the conversation. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't want to feel left out. <laughs> He's just talking. We'll go <laughs> it, I will say, episode one was like, whoa, holy shit! You know, okay, you, it was you, some crazy shit. I'm like, you okay, my you, you got me, you got me. I will watch the second episode, and it's that. <laughs> oh, awesome. and next week is gonna be the last episode of Swamp Thing, man. That's gonna be fucked oh, up. Oh yeah, and the last episode of. Ladies of Shield for the week, but I'll talk about all this shit later on. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, until then, this is Leroy. This is Eli. And we'll talk to you next week. Same bully time, same bully channel. Tiger style. Tiger style. Yo. Huh. Huh. Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with.
It ain't 